Good morning. It's great to see everybody here uh, this morning as we enjoy another crazy day. It seems like every day you wake up, you just don't know what the weather's going to be. A little sunshine, a little rain, but it's a, it's a blessing to be here this morning. You know, as I mentioned in our application service last week, and for, uh, I guess, those that are visiting, we have just recently started another new series uh, of topics, and we're a few weeks into it. And as I mentioned uh, in the application service last week, we've really touched on a couple of topics that you just don't really hear spoke on. Uh, Chris last week spoke on penitence, and that's just one of those things. We'll sometimes get into repentance, but uh, not necessarily that subject. And I think this morning, uh, there's some part of the topics that, Frankly, I don't know that we speak on a lot, and that is, uh, the, the subject this morning is that of being faithful and reliable and trustworthy. Now, certainly, we've been speaking about faith, and we hear lessons on being faithful, uh, but then when we think about being faithful and reliable and trustworthy witness of God, uh, it was, I enjoyed being able to put together some thoughts, uh, because it's not something I might have normally spoke on. You know, my guess is if we went all around the room this morning and asked each one individually to consider, do you consider yourself faithful and reliable and trustworthy? I'm pretty sure that most of you would likely answer yes. I believe I am. No, in fact, you know what? I know I am. Why would you immediately answer that? Well, because you know what? They're very positive traits. They're all things that are great positive attributes and characteristics. Each one of us would want to aspire and attain to be considered faithful and reliable and trustworthy. It's a positive goal. We know those types of things make us a better person. We want to, be, uh, we want to work toward being that kind of person. But you know why else I think you might answer that question affirmatively of absolutely I'm faithful and reliable and trustworthy. Because we also understand the opposite of that means unfaithful, unreliable, untrustworthy. And we clearly recognize what that means as Christians. Not many here, I'd venture to say, want to be known with those types of characteristics and traits attributed to them. You know, as I begin to uh, put together some thoughts for this morning, uh, there's two er easy areas that came to example uh, in, in because they relate to our everyday work lives, our, our, to our everyday lives, and that is work and our families. I think they're easy comparisons that we'll see. You know, as an employer, I have about 45 employees, and um, they range from some pretty young interns, some first-year and second-year interns, to people that have been with me for, for 15, 25, 30 years. And so I thought, as I was thinking about uh, just how some of this might relate to work, I, th I thought, how do people come into our firm? And so I started thinking about the interview process. It's interesting. For me, the interview process is pretty easy. I don't want to be involved in the first one. We have a few people that go through the vetting process to look at people's abilities and experiences and skills. So once they come back, if we decide to bring them back for a second interview, uh, that's usually when I will get involved. And you know what I'm really looking for? Some pretty key indicators. They primarily reside in me asking them questions, and I want to have them share with me certain things about themselves because what I'm going to get from that, from my questions, are going to be more in the lines of character. 
lifestyle, attributes, their ability to communicate, their compatibility uh, with the firm, their desires, their short-term goals, their long-term goals. I'm looking for things like that. Now, I'll have a couple of specific questions that I'm going to ask, and you may find this awkward. I had to ask my HR, is that okay? But I asked that kind of question. I asked, uh, I've gotten over the last few years, last three or four years, if I'll ask a person, would you have a problem bringing me a cup of coffee? Well, you know why I ask that? And I, it's usually, I usually get them, well, no, I don't, no, I don't think so. The reason why I asked that is a few years ago, I was in a meeting, a uh, closed door meeting, uh, with a team, hit a break, I knew it was coming to the end, I was about to get on a teleconference, and so I stepped out to go get a cup of coffee, and sure enough, they said, hey, Bruce, your call's on line one. Shut the door, I, I, before I shut the door, I asked them, uh, one of our, my marketing assistants, hey, would you mind getting me a cup of coffee? She's been with me a year or so. She looked at me and she goes, no. And I was like, I knew she didn't drink coffee, so I thought, well, maybe she just doesn't understand. And I was like, it's easy. You have to come back. She goes, no, I'm not getting you a cup of coffee. Well, I needed to go ahead and take that call, but the whole time I was on that call, I was thinking, what, what is up with that? So I walked out and called her into my office. I said, hey, what is that? And she goes, I just don't, what was the problem about you getting me a cup of coffee? I don't think it's in my job description. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a new world out there, guys. <laughs> Uh, I'm like, okay. I said, let me ask you. If there was a piece of trash on the floor, would you have a problem picking that piece of trash up? Well, no. Or would you think that wouldn't be in your job description? Well, no, I'd probably do that. You know, if I needed you to go wash my car, because that was assisting me, would that be a problem? Well, I said, you've got to understand here, we have, a, we have a servant leadership type of attitude in this office that we, I, I would get you a cup of coffee if you asked me if for some reason I just couldn't because I was about to go to a meeting. But, you know, when somebody asks you to do something like that, I'd have no problem with bringing anyone in our office a cup of coffee. Needless to say, we kind of put her on a probationary effort, and she uh, kind of left on her own a few months later. And, and you know, and because she just wasn't a good fit for our office. Um, but you know what? I, that reminded me of that because um, I'm looking for, you know, when we look for that, we're looking for people that are faithful, reliable, and trustworthy, and that happens as part of the process. And so when people are sharing their goals with me, you know, I've actually um, had candidates tell me different things that are just sometimes shocking, frankly, and any of those who are ever in view, involved in the interview process, you know, you're sometimes astounded. I ask, um, I ask a typical question, where do you see yourselves in one year, two year, five year, ten years? Because I want to think, no, here are their short-term goals, long-term goals. You know, I've actually had candidates tell me, well, I'd like to be here probably a couple of years, and then I'd probably like to try out another firm for a couple of years, and then maybe another firm for a couple of years, and eventually I'd probably see myself on California coast or, or East Coast. <laughs> maybe wrongly so, but my internal thought is great. I'm a, wow, please let me invest in you all of our resources and time and energy and expertise and push that along right up to the point when you begin to get it and get productive, and then you're going to leave us. Crazy. And the reason why I say that's crazy because I'm expecting um, that why I share that with them is I'm looking for long-term employees. I'm I tell them, I'm expect that's interesting, I'm expecting to hire you for life. <laughs> that's my goal, is that you come in and you're a great fit here. Because if everything goes well, that's what I hope and expect. And you know what? I hope and expect that you'll want to do that saying that you're going to want to invest in 
that same return of investment back into our company and give us all of your resources and all of your expertise and be a great employee for us. <laughs> that's usually followed with a very nervous response. Yeah, 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 that's exactly what I'm looking for too. <laughs> I can usually wrap up, once I've heard those types of things, I can usually wrap up that meeting pretty quick and probably no need for the tour of the office that day. It's not to be mean, but I'm wanting to hear that they're going to fit in, that they're going to be a faithful, a reliable, and a trustworthy employee. And I understand not all candidates are going to be the same. Not that we're not going to be a great fit for them. They may not be a great fit for us. But a few things I do want to make sure is that we have that, that strong sense, if they're going to come into our group, that they're faithful and reliable and they've committed. They're, de they're going to be dependable. They're going to be trustworthy. And I want them to know it's a two-way street. And we're going to do the same things for you. You know, that's very much like our relationship with our family, right, in life. We expect those same types of things, that two-way street. And I know many of you probably are, are, are business owners and, or have been, and I know you all agree there is nothing like having an employee that is faithful and trustworthy and dependable and reliable. They not only show up to work every day, you know, they come with joy, they get up, they're ready to come to work, they're grateful for their job. They place a high value on making sure that, that they are great representatives of the company. You know what we'd call that? Faithful servants. They're all in. Their desire is to not just look out for themselves, but to look out for the what's best for the firm. And you see, as an employer, you can also readily identify when someone's not going to fit that mode. They're only interested in themselves, not the company. And when you have an employee that you eventually either you, you, you initially see that they're not going to fit, or even maybe sometimes one that doesn't work out, like the young lady I mentioned, that, she's not, that they're not faithful in service, you know what's hard? It's hard to have trust in them, right? Because you never know their intentions. You never know their motives. Because they may be very self-focused. They've got nothing going on for them and, uh, about the company. And so it's hard to trust them. It's hard to place reliance on them. It's hard to see them as a trustworthy individual and have, have dependence on them in the workplace. You know what? They tend not to be as diligent in their work. They're not as focused, easily distracted, things that would cause, us to, cause them to move away from this. So you see how that can take form in relationships when we think about our work relationship? You know, as much as possible, we try at our office to make it a family atmosphere. I love our employees. I want to know their kids. I want to know their spouses. Um, we function very much like a family, and, and, and I feel that those characteristics are vital to the success of a firm. And we look to have a lot of that in the workplace. And so it, that immediately transfers into the family. You know, the same attitude, the same level of, of what you're looking for in our relationships, our marital relationships, our family relationships, the same is important. Trust develops a sincere appreciation for others. Because you know you can count on them to do what they say, to be there when you need them, never doubting in their abilities or their intentions or their motives. Can you imagine not having that, those types of things in your marriage relationships or in your family relationships? Now, 
Let's think about not just our relationship with our work or our family, and we could spend a lot of time on those, but how this re- applies to our relationship with God, because that's where we'll spend the rest of our time this morning. So let's look at what it means to be faithful. Here's some things that I think go along with faithful. Loyal, constant, a firmness, steady, and unwavering adherence to a person, a thing, or an oath, or a promise. In Exodus 17, 12, one of probably the earliest times we see references to being faithful, Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it while Aaron and her held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Steady, unwavering in that strength in his abilities to be faithful. When we think about reliability, we tend to think of that being in the form of consistency. You can be counted on regardless of the situation. You're just always going to be there. It provides that basis of confidence to place that trust and dependability. James 5.12 says, But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, that you may not fall under condemnation. And finally, just some things on trustworthy, basically worthy of trust. Able to be relied on as honest or truthful. Full of integrity, never should be in question. Honorable, ethical, virtuous. Titus 2.7 says, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity and dignity. You know, I mentioned some employees. I've had, I have a few employees that have been with me in the 25 and 30 plus uh, range. And a CFO, uh, Gail, we, we, we gently at home refer to her as my work wife. <laughs> uh, seems like I'm at work sometimes more than I'm at home. And, you know, and I know it, it's, it's always going to be taken care of when I put it in Gail's hands. She can, she can complete my sentences. I don't have to worry if when I put something to her that it's going to be done and it's going to be done accurate and with excellence. You know, I sign, all the time I sign a stack of checks and I'll go out of town for a, couple, a week or two. I don't have to worry about it. She's going to write a check to herself. You just, there's just that level of care. But you know, whether at home or work, what happens when we have that level of trustworthiness, what that trustworthiness creates is a desire to provide peace. It helps us desire to provide strong relationships, to be a great resource to one another. When you have trustworthiness, you will help make good decisions together. Your desire is to please others. Your desire is to be a giver, not a taker. You're interested in looking out for the interest of others. You desire to promote and build up and strengthen others, again, whether at work or in your family or in the church. You desire to protect, you desire to reward, to give more and more trust, eventually that you build an unbreakable bond. These apply whether with work, whether with family. Certainly we want all of those things at work. We want all those things at home. We need to have all those things when it comes to God. We need to have that with him, and he needs to have that with us. You see, clearly we can see all these traits are very similar in definition in how they apply in our lives. 
So I want to ask you a question this morning. What motivates us to be faithful and reliable and trustworthy? Could it be the way we see or want to see ourselves? That would be a pretty good motivator. Could it be the way people see us or the way we want them to see us? be a pretty good motivator. Certainly I would think it would be the way God sees us and the way we want God to see us. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the study, I expect that most all of us consider ourselves to be pretty faithful and pretty reliable and dependable. Are we as faithful and loyal and reliable and trusty, trustworthy as God is to us? I mean, that is his promise, right? One thing we know for sure is we fully expect God to be faithful to us, right? We fully expect that. I mean, that's his promise to us. We expect him to be there for us. We expect him to be true to his word. We know, we expect, we can count on him. We can call on him for everything. Every time. That's what we expect. As Christians, that's our expectations. So how strong is your faith? And what do I mean by that? Can you imagine serving our God with a wavering feeling of is he really real? Is what we're doing really the right thing? Anybody ever question that? That's, that's faith. That's, an un, that's a wavering faith if you question that. And I'm sure at any given time and points of our lives, we may have some of these types of questions. Is there really a God? Are the stories we read in the Bible really accurate and true? Did Jesus Christ really die on the cross for us? Is there really a heaven and hell? You know, there's a lot of the world that has a problem answering those questions. It's unfortunate. I'm pretty confident everyone of you said yes to all these questions. Why? Because you have faith. And we know that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's our faith that causes us to believe in those things. We would not believe in God if we could not fully trust and rely on His faithfulness to do the things He said He will and can do. Think about that. It would be foolish for us to do those things. It would be foolish for us to believe in a God and read all the things we read and put our full trust on Him and rely on Him if we didn't believe He could do and say the things that He says He will do and can do. You see, as Christians, that's our expectations. And you're right to have those. We ought to know that God will reward our faithfulness. God will keep his word. Can we say, I will keep my word? 
God will not forget you. These are promises in the Bible. God will not forget you. When we say, I will not forget you. God will not fail you. Can we say, I will not fail you? God will not quit on us. He won't quit on you. Can we say, we won't quit on him either? Hebrews 11, 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. He will reward your faithfulness. Galatians 6 and 9, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Are we faithful? Loyal and constant as God is? As we expect him to be? You see, he doesn't go around saying, you know, where have you been, scoundrel, when we finally call out his name? <laughs> He's waiting on you. He doesn't say, where have you been the last several months? Because we expect him to be there. So what are God's expectations for us? A little bit of a reading here. Hebrews 10, 19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. One of the most beautiful verses in the Bible because of the promise that goes along with it. You see, God expects us to be bold in faith, having entered into his kingdom through the blood of Christ. To, he says to live in a new and different way, to have that full assurance of faith, to keep ourselves pure and unwavering. Why? Because he's faithful to his promise. Now I want to close this morning with some things, and this could be an infinite list. I just want to close with our 12 things that I uh, hear in a little bit that um, I believe things that God expects from us. He expects us to be godly employees and godly employers. Colossians 3, 23, verse 24. Whatever you do, work heartily is for the Lord, not for men, knowing that you'll receive your inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, not just your employer. You're serving the Lord Christ. He expects us to seek him. Hebrews 11, again, we saw this. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. But whoever... Uh, would not draw near to God, must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. That's what God expects of us, to seek him. He expects us to be worshiping here with our church family. Hebrews 10, 25, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day drawing near. I would tell you, he expects us to be faithful and love others. Certainly we know that as Christians. Proverbs 3 says, let not, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind that around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Simple, simple concepts, but simple things that he expects us to do. He expects us to be reliable stewards of that that he's given us. Matthew 25, 21 says, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy. That's what we hope to ex expect to hear one of these days. But we need to, he expects us to be good stewards of everything he's blessed us with. He expects us to serve and encourage people inside this church and people outside this church. He says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. He expects us to be a giving person. Matthew 6, and there's a lot of verses that you could pull on this, but thus when you give to the needy, don't make a thing about it. Don't sound the trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may be praised by us. Truly, they have re I say to you, they have received their reward. He expects us to share the gospel with others. Matthew 28, go there, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe that which I've commanded you. He expects us to be humble. In all of our praise, we still want to be seen with humility. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Matthew 6, 6, he expects us to go to him as our father. It says that when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. I want to close with this little chart. You know, we could have talked about a lot of many more things that God expects of us. But this chart that I tried to put together in my mind for us this morning just works pretty simple on the levels of trustworthiness, reliable, and faithfulness. If you were to sit here today and only you can answer these things. And if you looked at this graph from weak to strong, I want you to think about when you ask this question, how do you see your relationship with God when it comes to trustworthiness? You pretty strong out here? You pretty trustworthy individual to Him? Are you reliable to others, to God? Where do you fit on that? How about simply in your faithfulness? Just weak to strong. And then you can apply that same thing on how do you, you see your relationship with God and just put in place of that how do you see relationship with family and do that same thing. Are you a trustworthy individual to your family? Can they rely on you? Are you dependable to your loved ones? Are you faithful to your family, to your work, to your friends? Just process that for a little bit. And then I want you to contemplate that. How do you believe others see your relationship with God? Because sometimes that's important. You know, you may see yourself as this, and a lot of other people see you as this, right? And that's sometimes hard to recognize and hard to identify with. And just do that same thing. How do you believe others see you in your relationship with family? And how do you believe others see you at the workplace? Would they look at you and say, you're, you're a dependable person, you're reliable. At work, you're a go-to person. And we all know what that means in the workplace. You're a reliable friend. You will be there no matter what. When things go sour, when things get in a ditch, train goes off the track, I know... I can trust on you being there, dependable, reliable. And most importantly, how does God see your relationship with him? Again, 
How does God see you, not only in your relationship with him, but in your relationship with your family and at work and friends? I hope that chart is not too confusing. I tried to make it as simple as possible, but discuss a lot of, of areas how I think it's important to assess. You know, I, I, at work, I, I constantly am trying to process, you know, and you're always trying to process things that are working, do more of that, things that aren't working, fix those things, because <laughs> if you don't do that in business, you know, eventually it goes haywire. We have to do that in our lives. We have to do that in our marriages. We have to do that in our families. We certainly need to do it in the church, with our church family, and certainly, most importantly, in our relationships with God. Because if you're haywire in any of those things, God's aware of it. The question is, are you aware of it? And that that self-assessment is something that um, I hope and pray uh, that we are constantly doing as Christians. Christianity is not a one-stop shop. It's not a one-top hey become a Christian and back out on the streets, right? It's a growing process. Just like we grow in our marriages, we grow in, in our relationships with our friends and people at work and people in school, and you can put all the other types of things up there, but one thing we do know for sure, and we make it very known, I hope, I hope you have the joy of working in places where you have this same thing, we make it very clear that at, at the office, we put God first, and then we put family next. And then we, we want to look out for this business. Because if I expect for people to have those types of characteristics that I just described, I can't tell them I expect you to be here at work no matter what. I don't care if your family needs to come second. You put God on down the line. You know, sometimes businesses have a hard time doing that, but I think you'll get a lot better response and a lot closer individuals in your, in your company when you take the response of, hey, we want you to know, I want you to have God first in your, in your life and family second. And then I, we certainly want you to, to place a priority on work. But when we get those things out of balance, every time you will begin to see things may get a little tilty, right? A little haywire, and it's time to reassess. So I hope this uh, study this morning has been helpful to you. We always want to offer the service of the church. If there's any way the church can help you, we ask you to come forward as we stand and sing.